0: Today is uh, part four of our series called Great Relationships, where what we've been doing is looking at the greatest relationship expert ever, Jesus, and what he says about how do you have a better marriage? How do you parent better? How do you become a better worker, a better boss, a better friend, a better family member? Back in week one, I said to you that, you know, Jesus said that the the one key to having a a better relationship with people is you just got to simply be present. You, You actually got to be there with people. Then in week two, we said that you know, you gotta be less critical. You you just simply have to do that. Last week, Allison and the ladies that she interviewed for Mother Day, Mother's Day, they did a a great job with all that. And they talked to you about how to be more kind. Now, the one I want to talk to you about today is one that if you don't get this one right, you can't get all the other ones right either. And so let's jump right into it here today. On your outline, for a great relationship, I must be less selfish and more selfless. Let me say that again. For a great relationship, I must be less selfish and more selfless. Now those two words sound very similar, don't they? But they could not be any further apart. They are night and day different. But you know, we live now in this society that tends to be more and more selfish. More and more self-serving. More and more self-centered. More and more self-promoting. In fact, if you put that into a Google search self-promotion, here's a couple of the results that you're going to find. Look at the screen here. On entrepreneur.com, they have an article, five tips for practicing self-promotion without being totally annoying. Forbes Magazine. How many you ever heard of Forbes Magazine before? Very, very famous business magazine. They had an article on self-promotion, 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. And then you can find a YouTube video from a a lady, and she has this whole video of how to do self-promotion and still respect yourself. I mean, can it be any more obvious here? Even the experts are saying, people that aren't even Christians, they're saying, look, if you make life all about yourself, you're going to become an annoying jerk who nobody else respects, including yourself. And so that's why it's so important that we look at what does Jesus say about this topic. So we're going to jump right into it here. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you would say, I want to be the best follower of Jesus I can be. I want to be the best disciple of Jesus I can be. See a raise of hands here. Those of you that are watching online, you can just uh, put that in the chat. There's a little raise the hand button. How many of you want to be a better disciple for Jesus, a better follower of Jesus? Of course, we all do. And so that's why it's so important that we listen to the words of Jesus. Look at this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus says, Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. Jesus over and over and over again talks about this, that life is not about you. And if you ever get this wrong, that you do make life about you, you're in pretty good company because the disciples before Jesus' resurrection, they were getting this wrong all the time. In fact, one day they were walking along, and they're arguing. They're like, I think I'm the greatest. And the other one's like, no, I I think I'm the greatest. Well, I'm going to be the one that sits at God's right hand, you know, in in heaven. And they're like, no, 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 I'm going to sit at Jesus' right hand. And they're just arguing about this. Jesus stops them. We read this in Mark 9.35. He says, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be a servant of everyone else. Again Jesus beats this drum over and over and over again. Matthew 23:11. Jesus says the greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest amongst you must be a servant. You know, when I do premarital counseling with couples, I always tell them, look, one of the things that you want to do is try to outserve your spouse. Try to outserve them. Every time they do something great for you, you try to do something even greater for them. They do something nice, you do something even nicer. Try to outserve them. And you know why I advise couples to do this? It's because I've done enough marriage counseling. There's a huge difference between premarital counseling when they still hold hands and, like, you know, he opens up the car door for her, right? And then he goes around, he gets in, and she slides all the way over next to him. You know what I'm saying? There's a huge difference in premarital counseling. Then marriage counseling, because what I find is people only get marriage counseling when things are going bad. And so what happens, I I find in these bad marriages, is they've made the relationship all about themselves. What can you do to serve me? Instead of what is it that I'm to do to serve my spouse? Now, I'm using marriage as the illustration there of out-serving other people. This is really any relationship. How can you better serve your kids? How can you better serve your boss? How can you better serve your employees, your family members, your friends? Try to just outserve them, outdo them, put their interests before your own interests. And I know some of you are going, this whole thing of you know self-promotion and all that—that's not something I, I really struggle with. I, I don't think I'm I'm really a, a selfish type of person. But here's the thing. All of us struggle with this at least a little bit. And I can prove it to you by asking you a simple question. How many of you ever had a group photo taken of yourself? Like you were in a a big group, like with a bunch of family members or or people, right? Big group photo. When you looked at the photo, who was the first person you looked at? Who was it? Go ahead. Yourself, exactly. You looked out for your own self. And I'll be honest, I struggle with this one. We were just with family members last week down in Williamsburg and we're taking different photos and stuff and I'm doing photos like with my niece and I would be like, you know, take six or eight, you know, of that photo. You know why? Because I knew I was going to post it to social media and what am I going to do? I'm going to look. Which one do I look best? Little Brooklyn, well, you know, she's like looking really weird or something, but that's okay because I look good. (laughs) That's not true. I I tried to find ones where she looked good too, but I mean, I wasn't going to put something where I looked goofy right? We're all like that. We're all a little bit selfish in some ways. And so we got to be in, in constant reminded and, and be on guard to always be putting the interests of other people before our own interest. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a very famous passage of scripture that talks about this. So if you have a Bible, go and turn to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two is where we're going to hang out today do want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us. Right now, you see in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, there's a little button there called Talk Notes. If you'll push that, that's going to take you to all the Scripture. I'm going to look at all the main points I'm going to make. For those of you live in the room, you can go to our website, exponential.church. You're able to find the Talk Notes there as well. Again, a very, very famous passage of Scripture from Paul here in Philippians uh, chapter 2. And apparently, the, the people he's writing to here in the city of Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece, they were struggling with some of the same things that we struggle with a little bit of selfishness and so Paul is going to address this now how many of you know that this book the, the bible is god's word to us right it's god's word to us but if it's to us that means it's to you you're a part of us and so today especially as i'm reading this i want you to to hear these words Not as Paul speaking to the church that he had started in the city of Philippi. I want you to hear these words as Paul speaking them directly to you. Whether you're here, you're watching online live, you're watching sometime in the future, hear these words directly to you. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. So here's what Paul says to you. Philippians 2, verse 1. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have gotten something out of following Jesus that that he's made a difference in your life? Okay, so Paul says, that's great. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, he continues on. He says, if his love has made any difference in your life, you're going, yeah, Paul, I just told you. He's changed my life. Of course his love has made a difference for me. Paul's like, great, 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 great. He says, if being in community of the Spirit means anything to you. What's Paul talking about there? Let's talk about the local church. So let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that being a part of this local church, Exponential Church, has made a difference in your life in some way? That there's been something that has happened in your life? Paul's like, that's great. Gilbert gets to keep his job for another week. And then he says, if you have a heart, if you care. You're like, yeah, Paul, I- I care. Everything that you've talked about, I'm doing all those things. Those things are all true of me. And it continues on in verse 2, and he says, okay, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Paul's basically saying, look, if you want to have great relationships, you've got to have a love for other people that is so deep that it transforms not only that relationship, but it transforms everything else in your life as well. You're going, yeah, yeah, Paul, that's exactly what I want. I want to be in a better marriage. I want to be a better parent. I I want to be a better boss. I want to be a better worker. I want to be a better family member. I want to be a better friend. Yeah, Paul, I'm on board with that. So what, what should I do? Paul's like, you sure you want to know? Yeah, Paul, come on, tell me, what is it that I have to do? He says, all right, do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Notice that Paul doesn't say, do, you know, most things, you know, without selfish ambition or vain conceit. No, Paul says what? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing zero zip zilch nada and he continues on then and he says rather in humility value others above yourselves and so here in this verse paul says look do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility consider others better than yourselves if you think about it he gives us two things we need to stop doing and one new attitude that we need to cultivate in our lives. So I want to take the rest of our time today to actually break each one of those down. So if you're taking notes, number one on your outline, selfish ambition is when I bring competition and rivalry into a relationship. And here's a great question that you should always ask yourself. Am I spending too much time and energy trying to be right in my relationships? Am I spending too much time and the energy just trying to to be right? I'll give you an example of this, and I know all of you, as soon as I start to say this, you're going to be like, yeah, I've been in that before. A- have you ever been around a married couple before, and like he starts to tell a story, or she starts to tell a story, but like, part ways through the story, they start correcting each other? They, no, that didn't happen on a Monday, that happened on a Tuesday. No, he wasn't wearing a red shirt, he was wearing a blue shirt. And you're sitting there going, who cares? And they continue on with this story and they keep correcting each other and they're in this argument and you're like, I didn't even want to hear this story. and Now it's being dragged out even longer because you're adding all this extra argument into it. What are they doing there? They're caring about being right more than the relationship with their spouse. They've made it in almost a competition of who's right in this. And Paul says, you can't do that. You can't bring that kind of thing into your relationships. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. He says, you can't bring that competition. You can't bring that rivalry into a relationship if you want it to be a good one, a great one. Number two, then, on your outline, vain conceit literally means empty glory. And is when I bring self-promotion into relationships. You ever been around like a husband or a wife and they're constantly putting their spouse down? That it's sarcasm. It's jokes that they're telling at their spouse's uh, you know, uh, harm. Or have you ever been around somebody that it's constantly demeaning friends and coworkers? I mean, they, they think that they're putting themselves up on the, like a pedestal that, look, I'm better than what you are. I'm above you. But the truth of the matter is it's not an above or below thing. It's an empty thing. They are empty inside. Again, vain conceit means empty glory. They think that, oh, when I do this and put myself above, I'm glorifying myself. Paul says, no, that's a a hollow glory. It's an empty glory. It's nothing. And it's killing your relationships. Here's the question you should always ask yourself. Do I come across in my relationships as needing to be self-important or seen as being a a self-promoter? Now, this one can be tricky. Because oftentimes we can disguise our self-promotion in ways that we wouldn't even think that, oh, that's actually what I'm doing. So I'll give you an example. When, when somebody else is speaking, do you actually listen to what they're saying? Or are you like thinking about what it is you want to say back in response? And again, I'll confess here, I'm bad on some of these. <laughs> I remember many years ago, when I'd be in like a big group of people that were going to pray like everybody was praying out loud, I wouldn't even listen to everybody else's prayers. You know why? Because in my mind, I was rehearsing what I was going to say. Why? Because I want my prayer to be the best one. You're going, all right, Gilbert, now you are fired. Get off the stage. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I'm just a person. I'm a human, right? And I've gotten better about that because what I realized is, look, Number one, that's not prayer. When somebody else is praying, part of a prayer is being in agreement with them. That, That you're listening to what God has placed on their heart, and you're like, yeah, that's in my heart too. Yes, amen to that. But if I'm not listening to it, how can I amen something I haven't even listened to? And then the other thing I realized is, look, if I'm just rehearsing a prayer and then just Sort of repeating it, that's actually not prayer. Prayer isn't something you prepare. Prayer is something that in the moment, what is on your heart, that God is speaking, and 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 you want to speak to Him of God, here's where I'm at right now. Here, here's what I'm feeling. And so when we rehearse and practice prayer, that, that's not prayer. That's just parroting back something that you've already scripted out. So Paul says, Look, you, you can't do things like that to try to make yourself look better. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And by the way, in the original Greek, that, that phrase, if you look at it, it can be mean to, it literally, again, in, in the Greek, in, in Paul's day and time, it can mean to try to be winning more followers to yourself. Could Paul even imagine when he wrote these words, <laughs> the social media that we have today? What is a lot of social media? What can I do? What can I post that's going to get me more likes, more followers, and more subscribers? I mean, think about it. Isn't that what a lot of times we're like, hey, if I post this, people are probably really going to like it. I'll do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit if not It'll leave you feeling empty. You're going, okay, Paul, what should I do then? Paul says, well, glad that you asked. Here's what he says in verses three to four. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Then we talked a couple months ago about this word humility. Let me remind you of the definition that I gave you that day. And it's not original to me, but humility is basically this. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's not about demeaning yourself, putting yourself down. Humility is simply just thinking about yourself less. And so Paul says, don't just look out only for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. And I want you to notice here that Paul doesn't say to never look out for your own interests. Right? He doesn't say that you, you shouldn't look out for your own interests at any time. He says don't look out for your own your own interests only. In others, how many of you remember back in uh in math class when you, you learned like how to do equations and, and various things, and and there was like the, the rules that you had to follow to get the equation right? It was Please, my dear Aunt Sally, is how I learned it. Anybody else learn it as please, my dear Aunt, that you do the parentheses first, then you got to do the multiplication or division, then you do the addition or subtraction. Please, my dear Aunt Sally, anybody else or am I just old? All right, yeah, some of you remember. Okay, what do they teach now, Melanie? Is it still the same? Oh, yes, I did. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. See, it's been a while since I've been in school. Okay, you're you're beyond the uh, first graders. Yeah, unless there's some really smart first graders, <laughs> Yeah, please excuse my dear answer. But what that said was, look, if you don't get it right, in the right order, then you won't get the math problem right. And Paul's saying the same thing here. When it comes to your relationships, there's an order to it. Put other people's interests first. And if you'll put other people's interests first, then when it comes to your own interests, everything's going to fall into place for you. But if you get it out of order, if you put your own interests first, then you're always going to get your relationships Wrong. So you got to put other people first. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now I know you know some of you are thinking, well, h- how far should I go with this? What 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 should I what should I do? Well, I, I think a, a word that could help to summarize all this is the word value. You need to value other people as if though they are the most important person in the room what can i do to honor them what can i do to serve them what can i do to help them out i know some of you think that that's weird that i'm going to treat other people like they're the most important person in the room that i I couldn't do that but let me prove you wrong because you've already done it in the past how many of you ever been to a wedding that wasn't your own wedding guess what You are not the most important person in the room. And you were perfectly happy with that. That it was a day to honor that bride and groom. That it's not about me. It's about what do we do to make their day special. And some of you have been to weddings where maybe it's a best man or a family member. They get up and they get the mic and they try to make the day all about themselves. And there's just this awkwardness in the room. It's like, please shut up. Sit down already. This isn't about you. You're not the most important person here today. So Paul's saying, look, in all of your relationships, just treat others as if, though, they're the most important person that's there in the room. You're going, but Gilbert, what what if they don't deserve it? And I mean, exactly how far should I take this whole thing? Well, Paul answers that. Look at verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You're going, oh, cool. Paul's actually going to answer this, right? He says, in all your relationships, here's what you need to do. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You're going, okay, Paul, uh, could you remind me exactly what was the mindset of Jesus? He says, yes. Verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Listen to my words here. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. I hope that you'll never, ever forget this. Jesus was literally the most important person that walked into every single room He ever stepped foot into. Right? Even when He went to a wedding banquet, He was still the most important person that was in that room. But yet, Paul says he did not use that to his own advantage. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about him being glorified. It wasn't about him like being, look at me, and self-promoting. No. He didn't use it to his own advantage. Paul says in verse 7, rather... He emptied himself by giving up his divine privileges and humbled himself by becoming a servant in human form. Jesus, the true most important person in the room, humbled himself and served other people. And that's got to be our attitude as well. Guys, in your marriage, treat your spouse's interests above your own. Put her needs first. Ladies, if he wants to get intimate tonight, put his needs above your own. Bosses, put your employees' needs above your own. Employees, ask your boss, what can I do to help today? What can I do to serve you today? with your family members and friends, always be asking, what can I do to serve you? How can I help you? Bend over backwards to help them. Again, you're going, but Paul, I mean, how far should I take this? What if they don't deserve it? I mean, what length should I go to in trying to serve other people? And that's when Paul says, mic drop. Verse 8. Jesus was humble and walked the path of obedience to God even when that meant death on a cross. Listen, Jesus will never ask you to do something that he himself was not willing to do or did do. He treated you like the most important person in the room when he went to the cross to die on behalf of your sins. Think about that if it was just you and Jesus in this room. He is clearly the most important person. But yet he said, I'm going to make you the most important person by walking to the cross and dying in your place. And so if that's the model of what Jesus was willing to do for us, isn't that what we should be doing for others? Isn't what it means to be a follower of Jesus? to become like Jesus. So we've got to treat others as if though they are the most important person in the room, even if they don't deserve it. So one more time, here's, I think, maybe the most important verse of the day. And I'd encourage you to memorize it. It was back in verse 3. Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Behind every single great relationship, you're going to find two people that are serving one another more than they're serving themselves. And behind every failed relationship, again, whether it's a marriage, in a parenting relationship, with a boss and employee, with family members, friends, every time you see conflict and struggle, it's because people are putting their own interests above the others. We can't do that. Again, Jesus came to be our model. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others and to give my life up as a ransom for all. So here's my challenge for you this week. Just do one selfless thing. What's one selfless thing that you can do? Is it planning a date night for your spouse and surprising him with that? Is it getting groceries for a neighbor? Because you know that they need it and they're struggling right now financially and you're just going to surprise them in that way. Is it volunteering somewhere? Is it your your best friend at work? Or maybe even your enemy at work that you know that they like a certain drink at Starbucks and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go to Starbucks and get their favorite drink and bring it into them. Is it giving a, a gift to a, a family member or a friend that you know that this is something that they really, really wanted? but they've just never broken down and gotten it for themselves. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice some of my own finances in order to gift this to them. If you're a boss, is it giving one of your employees a day off because you know that they just sort of need that mental health day? What is it? Just do that this week. Just one thing this week, one selfless act. I think what you're going to see is, man, when you start to serve people and you bless people in that way, It's almost contagious. You're like, I need to do that again and again and again. All of a sudden, it becomes a a daily habit and then an hourly habit that you're just constantly on the lookout of, how can I bless you and how can I serve you and what can I do to to make you feel like the most important person in the room right now? And it'll just become a, a rhythm of life. Can you imagine what would happen if all of us started to do this as exponential? The people will go, man, I I don't know if I believe in the the whole Jesus thing and everything, but oh my goodness, the, the people of that exponential church, wow, the way they love people, the way they serve people, the way they're always looking out for the interests of other people, there is just something different about that. And you know what? I need to check that out. I need to find out what in the world is up with these people. And our simple answer is Jesus. It's just Jesus. He treated me like the most important person in the room by dying on my behalf. And so since he did that for me, now I'm going to do that for others. What can I do to serve you? Man, that that, that kind of thing is going to be way more attractive than us standing out on the street corner with our John 316 shirt on and our turn or burn sign yelling at everybody that they're going to hell. It's by their love people will know that they're my followers, Jesus said. So Exponential, can we agree that even just this week and even if it's just one time we're going to do something selfless to serve others? Can we do that? Amen? Online, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we uh, do thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity we've had to come together to worship you, to to praise you. Lord, I, I thank you for uh, Brian that was able to be here with us today and and to fill in while Bill is recovering from his surgery. We thank you that uh, so far Bill's surgery, uh, it went very smoothly and the, the, the pain is very minimal at this point. We're uh, thankful that he's tuning in, watching online right now. I saw him online uh, there earlier, so thank you again for just his leadership here at Exponential these past 11 years and faithfully leading us selflessly in worship each and every week. Uh, just continue to to bless him and, and his recovery process and Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us here in this room and watching online or watching in the future that, Lord, we would become less selfish and more selfless. That we wouldn't look out for our own interests, but we would look out for the interests of others. That we would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So, Lord, if your spirit has been convicting us of ways that we have been doing that, Lord, I I pray that we would turn from that right now. We would repent of that sin. And we would turn fully to you. And as we turn fully to you, Jesus, we're going to see you, the most important person in the room. And we're going to be convicted that, oh my goodness, Jesus, you went to the cross for me. Even though I didn't deserve it. And so even though there's people in my life that they may not deserve love and grace and mercy and to be served, Jesus, since you did that for me, now I'm going to do that for others. So Lord, again, I pray that your spirit has been just speaking to us. of What can we do this week? Who is it that we can serve this week in a very, very selfless way? and Lord, I pray that that selfless act would be something that would stir the hearts and the minds of those that we're serving. That they would have a hunger for you because they see you living in us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we put on our serving towel and and we would humble ourselves, that more and more people would come to know you and more and more people would be strengthened and encouraged in their relationship with you. So, Lord, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Humble people, a selfless people, servants of the Most High God. Jesus, again, we thank you. For the ways that you served us. Now help us to do that for others. We pray all this in your precious and your holy name. Amen.